my dad gave me a book. And it was old when he, when he gave it to me, and it looked like it had been around for years. I don't even know where he got it from. It was a paperback book, and it was small, but it was called Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. Have any of you heard of that book? Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember who it was by, brothers and sisters? Brother Lawrence. Very good. Wow. Very good. By Brother Lawrence. He was, he was a monk of sorts, uh, and... Uh, and so the thrust of this, and I think I was working one of my first jobs. I was working at Bell's in Batavia, if that tells you anything. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, let's just leave that right there. And, uh, and I remember reading that book, and it wasn't very interesting, honestly. There was, wasn't anything that, you know, was like, oh, wow, except for the fact that it taught me some things. It taught me that whenever my mind and my spirit strayed from the Spirit of God and from focusing on the presence of God, it taught me to constantly call myself back to that and to remind myself that, oh, my mind is straying now from the presence of God. Okay? And as a, say, 15-year-old boy, 16-year-old boy, you know, it's nothing that's really, really interesting, but it captured me. It captured me, and I begin to put into practice what I was learning from this book that normally a 15-year-old boy really wouldn't read. But there was something about it. The Spirit of God captured my spirit and began to taught me how to teach me how to follow him. And this morning, Jody was speaking a word, and I believe that word was from the Lord, and that is making making your faith, in a sense, intentional. All right? Don't just give God what's left over of your time. Don't give God what's left over of your money. Don't give God what's left over of your talents. Give him the very first and the very best of what you have. The very best. If you want blessing in your life, if you want uh, joy, if you want content fulfillment, fulfillment in your life, then you give him the very best of what you have. The very best. Okay? Not what's left over. Okay? Make your faith intentional. Don't leave it all to Sunday morning. Okay, take what we learn in here, take what we receive and, and, and digest it and then take it and use it out there where we live. We don't live here in the church. All right, we live out there. Out there is where the rubber meets the road, as it were. Amen. Amen. And so we've got to make our faith intentional. If we don't make our faith intentional, listen, hear me now. If our faith is not intentional, it becomes a once or twice a month faith that we're here on Sunday mornings in church. I don't say that to hurt people. I'm just saying as the truth. Okay? If your faith is not intentional, you will give God what you have left over. I'm too busy to come to church. If you're too busy to come to church, there's a problem, friends. Amen. 
Okay? And it's not the church. All right? If you're too busy, if you're too financially strapped to give God what he deserves, there's a problem. All right? If you're too busy to give God some of your time, then there's a problem. You're too busy altogether. Do you follow? And I know, I don't say this to point the finger. I say it because it's really true. It's true. Sometimes we need to hear things that that are hurtful in a sense. They're not meant to hurt, but they're meant to arouse, to wake. Okay? Our faith needs to be that very thing. Our faith needs to be intentional. And there's a scripture in the Bible. It's in Matthew 6, 44 or 33. I forget which it is. If you can turn there and bring that up on the PowerPoint. Let's turn there. Matthew. Matthew 6. Does your Bible have a Matthew? Or do you have the Rick James Bible instead of the King James Bible? <laughs> Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will what? Take care of itself. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. There's enough of it to last you for today. And so the thrust of this scripture passage is about worrying, about fretting, about I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough uh, this or that, okay? And the Lord is saying in this, in this story, it's, a, it's like a story that he's telling, right? And he's saying, don't worry about that stuff. God knows you need those things. God knows you need money. God knows that you need time. God knows you need groceries. God knows you need a car. God knows you need a house, and so on and so forth. And so for us to be worrying about things that God knows that we need is pointless. And in the scripture says, who by worrying can add a single day to their lives? So it's as if if we worry about all these things, it's going to help us. We get more of them? No. Right? All it does is stress us out. Okay? But he's saying here, don't worry, trust. That's the bottom line. Don't worry about those things. But if you seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that means you give God the first part of your week, right here. You give God the first part of your week, he's going to take care of the rest of your week. You give God the first part of your finances, okay? You tithe to him. He's going to take care of the rest of your finances. He's going to make sure that you have what you need. That's, that's difficult, isn't it? To give God off of the top of what we get, okay? Let's say that we make uh, 100 bucks a week, all right? Just follow me. 
100 bucks a week, all right? So we're going to take a tenth of that. You mean we're going to give 10 bucks of our 100 bucks to the, to the church, to the kingdom of God? Right off the top? You're crazy. Well, I got to make sure that I got enough for my bills and to eat and all that stuff before I can give to God. Do you see the folly in that thinking? I've got to make sure that I've got all my stuff done around my own house. My lawn needs to be mowed. My flowers and garden need to be weeded. Um, I've got to make sure that my sidewalk is swept before I can come here and do anything at the church. Do you see the folly in that thinking? Whereas, if we give what God deserves the first and the very best of what we have, God says, I'm going to bless you beyond what you can contain. Okay? And I want to tell you that is the absolute truth. And as a young man, seeking to follow after God, I began to put these things in practice. All right? Financially, my time, my efforts, and so on and so forth. And as I began to do these things, I began to see how God was proving himself to be faithful and that he would keep his word always, always. Now, as a single young man, that is not easy, okay, because there's lots of goodies and toys that you want when you're young. Dirt bikes and four-wheelers and guitars, endless music equipment, and so on and so forth. You get the idea, all right? And so, but I was training myself, God was training me that if I would put him first, that he would, in fact, honor his word and work out everything else, okay? As I got married and began to have children which is the joy of my life, it became even more difficult, okay? So now we've got other people that are depending on us to make sure that they have what they need. Not only is it myself now, it's my lovely wife and my wonderful children now that need money as well, right, to take care of their needs. And so now I'm faced with the decision, am I going to uh, withdraw, (laughs) withhold, I should say, from God what he deserves, okay, what he deserves, and take care of my family first, and then give God what's left over, okay? And that's really what we're doing. We're giving God what's left over, okay? So we're giving God what's left over of our finances. We're giving God what's left over of our time. And we're giving God what's left over of our talents. Okay? When we give God what's left over, the very... Okay, so we show up on Sunday morning. And and again, just, just bear with me, okay? Because I was here at one time. We've all been here. So Sunday morning comes, and instead of planning out what God is going to get, what I'm going to give God, which is really his to begin with, financially, I, I check my pockets and say, okay, i got three bucks. And I'm giving God what, whatever I got left. Do you, do you see the, the offering that we're giving God? That's a slap in the face. <laughs> that is really a slap in the face. 
All right? After we've done all of the things, we put our efforts into our jobs, our, our uh, whatever, and, and then we come, you know, come uh, Sunday morning, we, uh, we're whipped because of all of our time has been spent doing other things, and come Sunday morning, we've got nothing left to give God. Do you understand? We've got nothing left to give the God of the universe that made a plan of salvation, that gave his only son, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sin, and we can't get up out of bed on Sunday morning. Yeah. I remember my dad. I'll never forget it. My grandpa Peters had a way with words. He was... A man of few words, and they were oftentimes very pointed. And, um, man, I love that guy. <laughs> and, uh, and so my dad was, at the time, going to, preparing to go to Elam Bible College. We had moved away from here. We were living in Canisius on a back road, a dirt road. And uh, my dad was complaining because there was a dress code to go to this college. All right. Now, my dad was kind of rough around the edges at the time. It's hard to imagine that now, but at the time, he was a little rough around the edges. Okay? And so, dad is complaining that he's got to wear a tie to school. And grandpa, (laughs) having heard enough of this conversation, said, you know, Jesus went to the cross for you. You think you could wear a tie? <laughs> okay. All right. And I just, I love hearing those stories, you know. But it is a reminder of, of what Jesus did for us. Do you think that we could give a tithe, you know, a tenth of what we earn to God? Do you think that we could set some time aside for a Sunday morning and maybe something else during the week? Do you think that we could do that? Do you think that we could offer our talents to run the PowerPoint or to serve on the praise team or to help with uh, the children or, or the like? Do you think that we can reserve some time and devote ourselves to God for an hour, maybe two? God, for, God for, forbid, maybe three hours a week? Do you see how we rationalize these things? And we say that it's okay. I'm going to take a week off of... I'm going to take a vacation from church. Okay? And we honestly, we rationalize those things. And we say that it's okay. I've done enough this week. I need some me time. We hear a lot of that in today's world. You know, I need some me time. Well, if we would give God some God time, we might have a little bit more of me time. Wouldn't you say? Yeah? I need, I don't have enough money to give God. Have you heard that? Have you said it yourself? I don't have enough money to give God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. God has provided for you enough money to tithe what he is asking you to do. Actually, he's not asking. Okay? It's more than that. He's not asking. He's demanding that you do that. Okay? So, I don't have enough money to give God. Let's, we've all been there. Let's just say that we're all in that spot right now. I don't have enough money to give God. 
Okay? Well, if we did what God said to do in the first place, which is give him a tithe, a tenth, that's what tithe means, is a tenth, of what we earn, then he, will, he promises to make sure that we have enough left over at the end to have what we need. He promises. And so when we withhold those things from God, we do like this to him. We tie his hands from blessing us. Does that make sense? Okay. When I say, I don't have, I don't have enough uh, ability to give God anything. I just, I don't, I don't have anything that I'm good at to, to give to the church. I had a guy this past week, a week or two ago, call me and he says, Pastor, I've been feeling like the Lord is moving in my heart. Now, I just want to be honest with you. He doesn't come all the time, okay? But he's missing a leg, okay? And this is what he says to me. I want to, I want to do something more for the Lord. Is there something I can do? And I said, what, what do you want to do? What are you good at? He says, I don't know. It's just, it really don't matter. <clears throat> just give me something to do. I just, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Amen. Just speaking that, telling you about it, blesses me. What a heart. What a heart towards God. What do you think God thinks when, when he hears that? <clears throat> Isn't that beautiful? And so I heard a friend years ago, again as a young man, and he, he said this, you know, uh, regarding this, well, what can I do for the Lord? And it's like the Lord is a gardener, and he's got this beautiful garden, and he's got different rows of different stuff. And he said this, he said, find a row and start hoeing, man. Just, uh, it don't matter. Just find something and just get busy. Amen. Yeah? And God will lead you. God will lead you. All right? It's hard to steer a boat that's not moving. Okay? It's hard to steer a boat that is not moving. But once that boat is moving, be it by wind or be it by propulsion of some sort, it's easy to steer that boat. You can steer it anywhere you want it to go, and it's the same with God. If we're not moving, it's hard for God to lead us and guide us when we're not doing anything. Get moving. Step out of the boat, as Peter did. Step out, get involved in some way, and God will direct you where he wants you to serve. Amen? We withhold from God all too often. And we think, again, too often that what we're doing is enough to appease God. We think that whatever we throw in the plate is enough for God. I've done my part. I came to church today twice out of the month. I've, I've, I can check that off my list. I'm, I'm at least doing something. I've, I, 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 you get where I'm going. But God wants you to be intentional about your faith. You know, that's where the blessing is. When you're intentional about your faith. Some of you have never really gone to church in your lives that are here today. 
And you've begun over the last year to make this intentional. And I can't tell you enough how proud I am of you and how proud God is of you. Yeah. All right. I'm telling you, all heaven is dancing. Okay. And you're becoming a, a fixture, if you will, in this family. All right. And God is recognizing your efforts, and I promise you that he is going to bless you for it. And I'm sure that he already has. But if you live your life in this way, that you are intentional about your faith, making sure that God gets the first of everything that you have, you're going to have so much that God is going to bless you. All right? And he says that if, if, you, if you do this, he says, test me in this. Let's find that scripture. Test me in this. I think it's in Micah, isn't it? Micah 3 something. 3, 8 maybe? I'm just guessing. Malachi. What did I say? Micah? Malachi, yeah. Um, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates and pour so much into your lap that you will not be able to contain it. He says, try me. Try me. He promises to do that very thing. And so for us, it's a, a, a challenge. And it's risky, isn't it? It's risky. What if I give God a tenth of my earnings Three t- Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And he says, test me. Go ahead and try me. And I remember doing that very thing as a young man. I, I first began to make money and my parents were urging me, are you tithing? Oh, just leave me alone with the tithing thing. All right? Yes. And so I began to tithe, and it hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit because there's, there's risk there. What if I don't have enough for what I need and what I want? Test me and see if I will not provide everything that you need. Test me. And so I began to tithe, and I began to get involved in church, and I began to serve with what God had gifted me in. And as I began to do those things, there became a hunger in me to do more. Not because I wanted more, but because I wanted to give more. I wanted to give more of my finances. I wanted to give more of what I could to help out in the kingdom of God. And this fire, this, this consuming presence of God began to burn like an all-consuming fire. Do you know that God needs you? God needs you. God has gifted you to serve in his kingdom. Do you know that? He has gifted you with maybe talents in child care or computers or music, or, and you can fill in the blanks, Okay. And maybe, in in the Bible, it talks about some of these things. Maybe you're gifted in the area of helps. Maybe you're just really good at helping other people. Are you doing it? Okay. 
Are you doing it? God needs you in the kingdom to fulfill callings. God needs you to be busy about his work. Why? So that the church can have beautiful curtains? No. Okay. Maybe that's part of it. All right. To have a nice place. Do we have a nice place here or what? Okay. We have a nice place here because people are committed to giving. Okay. But we have more important, we have a nice sound system because people are committed to giving. All right. You have a pastor that is paid because people are committed to giving. I'm believing that God is going to provide money to staff people who are committed solely to the kingdom of God so that the work of God is their life's purpose. That's what I'm believing for. I'm believing that God is going to bring about a staff. In years past, there was no one other than my daddy that was being paid on staff. Okay, And now we have a staff, a small staff, where myself and Dawn and Bill Cravada are being paid a little bit anyways, you know. And, but I'm believing that God is going to raise up a, a financial uh, ability to provide people that are staffed and committed and only work for the kingdom of God. Okay? And... Over the years, everything that you see here in this church was done by people in this church. They have given of their time unbelievable, unbelievable time, unbelievable amounts of money, unbelievable efforts, and at times even their blood. Honestly. Honestly. Because of their commitment to Christ their devotion to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. And getting back to that book, Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit is a life-changing thing. The presence of God causes change in our lives. And when we take time to be with him, when we take time, when we give, when we devote ourselves, when we make our faith intentional, God pours out his spirit. God pours out his spirit. And that fulfilling Um, contentment just envelops us. It envelops us. I see trends today, and it's obvious, unfortunately, even in our own church. And it hurts me to see all these open and empty chairs. My heart grieves. My heart grieves. Does yours? My heart grieves that there are so many empty chairs in church. And you know what? It's happening all over the place. It's happening all over the place. And even in our own area, Orleans and uh, the east side of Niagara counties, 
There are churches that are closing their doors because they don't have enough people. There's churches in Albion I know of right now that got between six and eight people in them on a regular basis. I promise you. Middleport, same thing. Where are the people? There are other priorities. And do you see the danger in that? Do you see the danger in taking a vacation from church? Do you see the danger? And here's another thing, and I, I, I don't mean to, be, um, to point the finger, but I want you to think about this. When the church has a budget, okay, and we have a certain amount of money that has to go to pay our bills, all right, to keep us afloat, and the ties that people give help us to stay there and help us to have what we need. When people don't come to church, where, where does that money go? Okay, the money that the church needs to meet our budget, where is that money? Okay, it's difficult. This is difficult conversation. When, when we're, we devote ourselves to other things than giving time to the Lord. Who, how do things get done around the church? How do we get prepared for winter? How does the church get decorated? How does the church get cleaned? Okay? Do you think about that? So let's say half of the church shows up on Sunday morning, and we're short $1,200. Do you know that's happened three or four times this summer alone? Okay. I'm just talking to make you think. If half the people don't show up on a Sunday morning or uh, during the week on a work day, half the people don't show up, who's, who's going to you know, sh- empty the water lines so that it doesn't freeze in the wintertime? Who's going to um, you know, fix the, the rugs? Who's going who's gonna to... Make sure that things are dusted and clean. Who's going to make sure there's enough toilet paper? (laughs) Okay? These are all things that when you come here, you expect them to be done. You expect them to be taken care of. But when people don't show up, these are things that hurt. These are things that really affect us as a body, as the kingdom of God. Other things become more important in our lives, even as believers, friends. And it's always an effort to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's always an effort to keep at bay the pressures of the world, the pressures that deplete our money from giving to the kingdom of God pressures that deplete our time from giving of our time to the kingdom of God, pressures that use our talents in other places so that when it's needed in the kingdom of God, we're spent. Do you hear? Do you see how much God needs you personally? Okay, now we've been talking a lot about community and we can't do, the, the, the kingdom of God is not built on the individual, It's always looked through the lens of community. It's always looked through the lens of the body of believers. Okay? Maybe you are one of the ones. Maybe God is speaking to you today. 
I want you to make your faith intentional. Is God calling you today? Is God telling you, please do not misunderstand me that this is a TV message that's begging you for money? Because that ain't what it is. God has always provided for our needs here as long as we act in faith. Always. And so this very building that you are sitting in, this whole premises, we owe zero. Zero because of that. Because of the efforts and commitment of the people in this church, I get excited, I get goosebumps, and I get tears in my eyes when I think about it and I see pictures of people that have just... I, I just can't believe how much that they have given and, and sacrificed for this church alone. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so honored, honestly, to have that kind of body here, to be a part of that. I, I truly am. Is God calling you to be that one, to take that step? And maybe you were there at one time, but you've withdrawn. Is God calling you back? to say, I want you to do this. And I want you to think about something else. I want you to think about who it is that's asking. Who is it that's asking you to do these things? (laughs) Okay? When the master calls, it doesn't matter what he's asking, does it? When the master calls, it doesn't matter what he's asking because our response is yes Lord yes Lord I will I will do that for you (laughs) because I love you I love you amen would you stand with me it is risky to say things that I have said to you today but when you are when you're a parent You have to say some pretty risky things to your babies, don't you? Why do you do it? Because you love them. You do it to protect them. You do it so that they'll live long. And as Spock says, live long and prosper. (laughs) Okay? You do that because you love them. If If I refrain from saying things that are uncomfortable to you, then I rob you of blessing. I rob you of favor and safety and health. And so I say these things not for me, but I say them for you because God desires to bless his people. Always, always, always. He desires to save. He desires to bless. And I want to... I'm not going to ask you to come forward today, but I want you right in the place where you are. Would you close your eyes? I want you to evaluate in your own heart and in your own spirit. I want you to take some inventory today as to what your response has been to God. And I want you to think about where God may be calling you to. Be it financially, be it talent-wise, be it time-wise, and you fill in the blanks. I want you to think of where you are, and I want you to think of where God may be calling you to be. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, we pray that you would prick our hearts, God, to being more invested in your kingdom, in your kingdom, and that we would respond with gladness and joy and a positive, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that we would respond in a way that pleases you. And we pray for your blessing and your favor. And Lord, we pray for your forgiveness. We ask forgiveness for being disobedient, honestly. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to do what is right in Jesus' name. Amen.